0: Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selke of Winnerscoming.net, and Cheryl Watsonar of Culturist.com talk about this Game of Thrones song by some fire genre fiction news. And uh, only like a month and change out from the final season of Game of Thrones, there's plenty to talk about. There
1: is. I'm. Prepared to talk about these things, but I'm not prepared for the new season. So let's just jump right in, Dan.
0: I'm really ready to. I know you are. I'm ready to watch it. I know you are. And hello, everybody, for joining us. Hey, Julie. Hey, Berthel. Hey, Terry, Kenny, Kevin, and Sean. Glad you could be here. And we do have, I'll warn you at the top, we do have some spoilery stuff to go over today for the final season of Game of Thrones. So if you, in the unlikely event, you are uncomfortable with spoilers for this show, uh, watching this show, um, you might want to plug your ears for a second. Otherwise, let's dive in.
1: Let's do it. Let's okay. go. Tell me everything.
0: Okay, first up. Okay, Okay. we have some information about some characters who are going to return for the final season of Game of Thrones that we didn't really think we were gonna see. This happened when HBO, in its uh, hubris, published a cast list for the first episode of season eight, season eight premiere, which I'm gonna guess, going to be guess is called um, uh, Welcome Back Everybody.
1: Winter is here. I'm booking it now.
0: I'm going to say Winterfell. But yeah, I can say Winter is here too. Yeah. Keep going. Anyway, they have a cast list and everybody's going to be there. And two names popped up that we haven't seen for a while. Okay. So this, this is the point where you should turn back if you don't want to know spoilers. Yeah. In spoilers. season eight, we are going to see again for the first time in a couple of years, Robin Aaron played by Lino Facioli and uh, Edmure Tully played by, there we go, Tobias Menzies of Outlander fame. If anyone watches that, fine program. Mm-hmm. All right, so Cheryl, my question to you is, okay, A, did you think that we would see these guys again?
1: I it, I wouldn't have like dead on said it, like, oh yeah, they're going to be back. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to me because I think this season is going to do a lot with the concept of family just because of the whole John Daenerys, oh, by the way, that's incest thing. Mm-hmm. And these <laughs> are... Stark relatives, more specifically, they're related to Sansa and Arya. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see how they come back and kind of complicate the whole family ties thing.
0: Sure, well, I mean. There you go. I don't think Robin Aaron's a Stark relative, technically.
1: Yeah, he is. Is he? He's Lysatel, he's Lysa. son. Oh, Lysatel- of course, yeah, 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 oh yeah. God.
0: You know what, I never thought about that, that they're actually cousins. They're actually cousins. Oh, and they wanted to marry Sansa to him. Why can't they stop with the, that's more incest, that's new incest. But yes. I should have known that already. Obviously, yes they're, I, yes, they're cousins.
1: Yes, they are cousins.
0: Yeah, you know, just saying that. Hey Kenny, <laughs> did you did I get my email about Aria says Kenny? I don't think I did, Kenny. Um if you want, email me at dan.selkie at winteriscoming.net. We can write it in the in the chat there. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get it. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm intrigued by this. I, yeah. I think, yeah, family's important. Yes. I also think they'll need, because the, as they're kind of minor characters in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. but they do both hold positions of great power. Like Robin Aaron, now that Littlefinger is dead, and, you know, Sansa is only kind of like the, the Knights of the Vale follow her, but she's not technically in charge. Yeah. Robin Aaron is oh my God, just God help us, but the ruler of the Vale.
1: He is Lord of the Vale. He is Warden of the East, if you will.
0: Warden of the East who was breastfeeding until he was 13 years old. So he's in charge.
1: Oh God, yes.
0: And I don't know if he'll show up at Winterfell, like maybe bringing the remaining knights of the Vale to help fight the White Walkers. That's my guess. Yeah, mine too. Which, by the way, could get awkward. I mean, okay, here are two scenarios. Robin Arryn shows up and he as much as a man child as always and just... Starts right up with the whole, like, oh, you'll be my new mommy girlfriend, won't you, Sansa? And that'll be disgusting. But what if he's, like, grown up a little bit, and he's now, like, into this really awkward, like, a teenage emo stage, and he has some pimples, and he's trying to grow out of it? Teenage emo. (laughs) Teenage emo. Because the last time
1: we saw him, he was getting some actual martial training. He was. He was failing,
0: but he was getting it.
1: Look, small steps, (laughs) baby steps. We know where this guy, with where this boy started. Mm -hmm. Seven, help him.
0: So that's a good point. He has grown a bit.
1: Like I I don't expect full on Leanna Mormont because there is only one person that can occupy that space, and that's Leanna Mormont. But uh, I expect. Oh no. A little, yeah. I expect a little more maturity, dubious maturity,
0: but maturity. Yeah, it's going to be hard to sell complete man child when he's that old Yeah. I here's one thing I wonder maybe he comes he has the army with him and he's still immature but Sansa has to like talk him down to like yep. he wants to go back to the veil vale with all his knights and he's and it's gonna fall to Sansa to convince him yeah. to stay whether that means marriage whether that means just placating again maybe Maybe he maybe, perhaps he did that and he's like had a question ever since
1: okay that went a place <laughs> that I didn't needed to go
0: so it's let's, let's talk about Edmure
1: happen. Tully. Great.
0: Please. Edmure Tully. Okay. So last time we saw him, season 6, yeah. he is getting thrown in a dungeon by Walder Frey. Walder Frey's dead. All of the Freys are dead. Edmure Tully is I think the last remaining Tully that we know yes. of. Yes.
1: He's the last remaining Tully that actually counts as part of House Tully.
0: Uh, yes. Because there's a bunch of Tully. And by the bunches. way, Kenny, I I do get your emails. I have gotten your emails before. He's saying that he never wins giveaways because I, I swear to get emails. I just have not gotten your one about Arya. Yeah. But I I remember getting your emails through past giveaways, and it just, it just was never quite quick enough. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Eddard Tully, yeah, in charge of the Riverlands, or technically he technically. is. Technically. So I could see him. Jamie I mean, picks him up. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Perhaps like in season seven, because we haven't seen him since the, all the Freys died at Arya's hands. Mm. Maybe he like uh, rounded up the Riverlander armies now and mm-hmm. he's been fixing things up a bit Yeah, while all this crazy dragon invasion stuff has been going on. Yeah. I could see that.
1: Just having a quiet, quiet little time in the Riverlands. As quiet as possible considering all the political stuff that's happening too. I mean,
0: next to dragon battles fighting the Lannisters, it's positively dead silent.
1: Tame, even. Yeah, and white
0: walkers with yeah. undead bears and stuff. Yeah. It's just everything's easy. happening. All he has is just
1: He's puttering people. around his garden or something.
0: Anyway, I, I am very glad they're going to bring him back. Yes. Both of them. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I'm i not the kind of guy who demands that all the loose ends be tied up. I think that might actually be a bad thing. Like, I, I, I don't like the obsessive, like, I have to fix every tiny thing for this story to end. I didn't like Deathly Hollows for that reason. I, uh, there are some other things I haven't liked because of, because of that, but they're pretty big characters. They do have roles to play. I'm they happy do. to see that they'll come back and mm-hmm. they will be resolved their arcs somehow.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm very much down to see kind of how like Edmure and Robin both react to how their nieces and cousins respectively have kind of grown up since the last time they've seen them. Yeah, good point. Like Sansa's just like, what's up?
0: <laughs> Y'all are incompetent. Sort of crap.
1: Yeah, like she's like sitting, like she has like the power seat, and she's just like, "What? What's up?" That's oh, all I need.
0: Sean points out, yeah, I Emir mean, does have a son. Uh, oh, he,
1: didn't they put the baby in the catapult?
0: Though no, he, they threatened to.
1: Oh, okay. Jamie
0: threatened to. I don't think it actually happened. Look,
1: I don't put anything past Jamie Lannister.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there actually there is a uh, Tully ancestor. The Tullys are actually not doing that yeah descendant yeah that bad comparatively to other families in the show that's a little weird
1: yeah i mean it's a low bar to clear there's an
0: air uh, it's true it's a very low bar to clear yeah okay so that's happening yes that's, that's happening. all nice yes um speaking of sansa do you hear anything about that she's gonna wear armor in season eight i'm that'll strongly into that yeah that'll be fun that'll i be support
1: tight. that 100 percent. i'm here for it <laughs> it's all i need
0: for season i wonder if she'll have like a ceremonial sword or something because i mean she's not gonna like fight in the melee or anything, but she can be in a Queen Elizabeth kind of a stately figure figurehead kind of thing in a not piece of armor. Ready. <laughs> It'd be fine. I'd be
1: so excited for that. I sense that you're into it. Uh whatever gave you that idea.
0: How will Robin get along with his uncle? asked Sean.
1: Oh, Something Uncle Edmure? Oh yeah. Um, I wonder if they'll even bother meaning I feel like they're just kind of gonna be awkward with each other. To answer your question like yeah. i feel like they're just going to be awkward like they don't really know each other very well like you know lisa was kind of crazy uh and Edmure probably remembers that so that's kind of my
0: you know, off the gut that's The cool thing about game of thrones or just medieval times like you know if we have our crazy families we have we you know we can travel by plane and train and car to see them at thanksgiving and stuff but in this world Lysa goes off to the area you're not seeing her Nope. For like decades until she no, begins to come down. It was a
1: whole big plot point when Catelyn took Tyrion to the yeah. to the Vale that she hadn't seen her sister in forever. And
0: you're different, lady. And what woo, happened? Some
1: things <laughs> happened. Um, but yes, I think that would be kind of the relationship. I don't think it's going to be explored very much because sure. you know they're not yeah. super major characters.
0: It's also weird to think how all the people are related. I I, I, I forgot that yeah, Edmure and Robin are not nephew and uncle. And yeah. Sansa, Arya, and Robin are cousins. Weird. Yeah,
1: it's all and Bran. Everyone's related, but nobody cares about Bran because he doesn't care either.
0: Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Um, some more spoiler stuff. This is a little bit less spoilery, but still fun. So for season eight, the production of Game of Thrones built this giant, massive, enormous uh, King's Landing set. Ah yes. At uh, the paint or outside the paint hall in Titanic Studios, Northern Ireland. So huge, so amazing. Um, we've gotten like some far away. Oh pictures and videos from now because no one's going to get close enough to really snap it on the inside but thanks to the um ever-present satellite surveillance that runs our lives now um we can now see up close images of the king's landing set using google apps and i will warn you this is another sort of spoilery thing because i mean this has been known but you might not know it yeah we're like some pictures and close your ears now if you don't okay Basically, King's Landing has been destroyed. Look at that. Look at those beautiful Oops. pictures of what it uh, will look like in season eight. The quality. Isn't that great? Oh. Oh, it's right up in there. Oh, uh, the yes. It's gate, great. Blasted to hell. There's like the main thoroughfare. Look at the buildings that are just been wrecked. On the uh, street, this is all over.
1: fantastic.
0: Like the warped columns, I'm guessing, for Dragonfire. Uh, that dragon is, fire is, that is, is extremely Oh, there are more of these. I know there are more of these. I'm just... And that's the full thing.
1: That's so great.
0: I know, it's looking great.
1: I love science.
0: I mean, yeah, surveil me. Go ahead. (laughs) So yeah, we have the front gate. It's blasted all to hell. The thoroughfare we got there. The buildings are all crumbling on all the sides. And just debris everywhere. A white tower. And that's the Red Keep facade. They built one giant facade of the Red Keep. Yeah, right there. Excellent, Richard. You're panning spectacularly. Great job.
1: It's a team effort here.
0: So yeah, basically, we can see... So you can go right now... To Apple Maps, I guess is what it is, mm-hmm. uh, which I haven't actually heard of. Um, and it just gets... i use Google Maps. What? Fine Apple has a map function.
1: It's fine. And go
0: and look at the Game of Thrones set in all, in all its detail. Yes. Get a 3D tour of it.
1: It is fantastic.
0: Because we just took all of these. You can take your own pictures. It's fine. And just see from every in and out. And obviously, I mean, we knew it was going to get destroyed, but it's just fun to be able to see it up close. It's going to look so good on screen. It's going to look great. It's going to look so freaking good. They spent
1: so much money. It's going to be awesome.
0: Uh, Dan Turton asked, how do we access these? You go to Google Apps, Google Maps. No, I'm sorry, Apple, Apple Apps.
1: Apple Maps. Apple Maps. Yeah.
0: And uh, I believe you just type in the address. It's the Paint Hall Studios in... Belfast. Uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Titanic yeah. Studios at the Paint Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And you can explore it at your leisure. Fancy. And just take whatever, whatever you want.
1: I'm sure winterscoming.net has also written about these. Oh, of course. They have yes. all these pictures. Yeah, David you can took take, them. It, take a look take at winterscoming.net for more details.
0: And Julie asked, where's the bodies? I'm guessing in the prop room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they pulled the bodies out. Yeah. This is too much of a spoiler as it is. <laughs> it's,
0: gonna, it's gonna leave the bodies yeah. out, in like the, out in the set. Just they let the bodies hit the, the
1: floor and they left them there. Exactly.
0: But yeah, that'll be fun. And yes. you know, after it's all over, I think they're, they're leaving that set up as a tourist attraction. I, I guess, are, are they gonna leave it up as like a destroyed set? And yeah, we'll see.
1: I feel like that would be almost more fun than walking through a pristine set, at least for me.
0: Um, yes, I don't know. Eh, we'll see. I'll probably go there eventually and take I like some pictures.
1: Broken things, so. <laughs> well, I would like. I would. Just I like, like to broken ab- things. Yeah, phew, that sounded deeply emo, um, but I, I feel like it would be nice to walk up and kind of see the destruction, like how well constructed it is, mm-hmm. as oh, like totally. a messed up set. Yeah.
0: And as Kenny's pointing out, uh, it is Apple Maps, uh, Christian. I know I was getting confused myself. Yeah. Um, as Kenny points out, there was that scene in season two where Daenerys had the vision of the house of the undying. She walked to the broken throne room. Yep. So they've known they're going to do this for a long time and yeah. I'm just looking forward to seeing it finally up on the screen. Let's go. My viewing yet And Julie wants blood and guts. I do too. Speaking of blood and guts. Oh, what a transition. Okay. <laughs> um, HBO marketing machine yes. in full uh, scale, full speed ahead. What do you think of this? So HBO is doing a way to promote Game of Thrones Season 8 called Bleed for the Throne, where it is holding around the world, partnering with the American Red Cross, although there are things in other countries too, a blood drive from I believe it's uh, now, it's like March 7th through the 12th. They are going to be holding Game of Thrones themed <laughs> blood drives around the world. You will get a free t-shirt with that symbol on it, which is pretty cool. Come on, buddy Iron Throne. Um, pretty and if you get your if you give blood before no, write it down. Um before the fifteenth, I believe, March fifteenth, you can get entered in for a chance to see the Game of Thrones season eight premiere. Fancy. Quite nice. Yeah. Do you like this idea? Blood drive? I think it's pretty creative. It's weird,
1: but I'm into it.
0: I mean I feel you bad know? saying it's weird because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, th- th- this blood's going to go to help people. It's going to go to the American <laughs> Red Cross yeah. and people who need it.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying it's weird to give blood, like, right. if you are able to consider it. Um, but if, if it's, <laughs> you know, but, like, Game of Thrones at a blood drive. It's bloody. Yeah.
0: It, I, dovetails. It,
1: makes, it makes a weird amount of sense, but it's just, it's you know, it's something you don't always expect from your giant, media franchises.
0: I think it's actually pretty cool because I mean, I I
1: mean, yes, i mean, yeah.
0: Like at first I thought it was creepy, but but the more I think about it, it's like they're partnering to do some good. And, you know, we're not gonna tell you to go give blood because that'd be highly inappropriate, but uh, I don't know, I might do it. That's why I settled for consider if you're able. Yes, consider exactly. And Eric Pritchard says, I'm going to donate blood for the first time to get in on this, which I think is a great idea. There you go.
1: There you go, (laughs) Eric. Very proud of you.
0: And, finally, and let's, finally, let's go beyond the wall for a second. and talk <laughs> Moving about from blood
1: to walls, oh boy.
0: Blood walls. And talk about something, idea for a fantasy novel, Blood Wall. Talk um, about <clears> something <throat> that's not related to Game of Thrones. Okay. Okay, uh, so Game of Thrones is almost over. It's going to end. And there are a lot of networks who are rushing to get the next big show in there. Yes,
1: they are. Yes, they are. Maybe
0: the highest profile is Amazon's giant Lord of the Rings show. I'm a giant fan of Lord of the Rings. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess at least some of you watching like Lord of the Rings too, because it's a, it, there's the Venn diagram of Lord of the Rings fans and Game of Thrones fans. I think it's a lot of overlap. High fantasy, you know, dragons, medieval styles.
1: I'm not a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Are you not?
0: No. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: I'm not. I've read the books before. Everyone gets up in arms. I've read the books. How about I've, the Silmarillion? I don't hate myself that much.
0: <laughs> um, it was hard to get through.
1: Yeah, I read the books. I like. I respect Lord of the Rings for what it did for the genre. Sure. I wouldn't call myself a, a hard fan, though. I do appreciate the movies as great cinematic adaptations, and yeah. y'all can come at me for that one. Um oh, no,
0: I played a great theme. But
1: and um, yeah, it's like influential you know, too. It, it's it's a It is a thing that I enjoy, but it's not something that I will like, you know, fight and kill for. Fair enough. If you will. Metaphorically fight and kill.
0: Well, I'm a pretty big fan, and Amazon's making this giant splashy series. Yes, they are. Really like a a half a billion dollars to make the first two seasons.
1: So much money. So
0: much money. (laughs) And they finally started to like tease to like kind of give us promotions about it. To tell us about that. Tell us a bit about it. All right. And they they give us. They tweeted out a map of Middle Earth, where Lord of the Rings takes place. And uh, there it is. This is the official Amazon release of the Lord of the Rings show. And for anybody who's as drunk about this as I am, you might note, uh, hopefully you wouldn't, that uh, as pointed out to me by some nerds on the internet, um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, a very intelligent commenter (laughs) named uh, Calvin CalvinSchultzAndWindowsComing.net. Yes. The area we know as Rohan, where the horse lords live, um, here is labeled as Kalinardhan. There you go. Excellent. You, R- Richard, your panning game is expert today. So, what that tells us is this show is probably going to be set about at least 500 years before the events of the main Hobbit and Lord of the Rings show. Because Kalinardhan was the old name for Rohan before they changed it pretty deep into the third age of Middle Earth. I'm saying a lot of dorky words right now.
1: For those who are listening on our podcast, (laughs) the face that I am making is just kind of (laughs) blank resignation. Uh,
0: I swear it would be really exciting if you were into Lord of the Rings. (laughs)
1: I'm excited. I think it's interesting that they're exploring something different. They're not just going to yeah, make a show sure. about young Aragorn because I know that was the rumor. That, that was, was going the rumor, around. and
0: I mean, they still could. I mean, it's just a it's just a tweet and a map.
1: Yeah, but, um, but it seems, if I recall, it does that seem intentional. The map also came with some lines from the poem about oh yeah the One Ring and all the other rings. So it's you know three rings for the Elven, Elven lords. lords and, and, and blah, blah. Blah. Five for seven the for the dwarves, dwarves, nine for the men. All that oh good stuff. yeah, seven for the dwarves. Excuse me, and then nine for the men, due to, doomed to die, and then one ring to rule them all, blah blah blah. Um, and everyone <laughs> was like, "Oh, so maybe they're gonna be looking at the forging of the other rings as yeah, opposed to the one ring, um, and that could also be interesting." I mean, I'm always down for more elves.
0: Sure. What it tells me is they they know their uh, fake Middle Earth history.
1: They paid someone to know their fake Middle Earth history. They for paid them. well
0: for someone they to know their fake Middle Earth history.
1: Very well <laughs> for someone to know the fake history.
0: You could have paid me. I would have told you stuff.
1: But but then who would I talk about Game of Thrones with every week, Dan? chair. Oh well, I suppose I could do that. <laughs> um, but yes, I think it's interesting that they're teasing at least that they're going to go somewhere different with this and not just yeah. rehash everything over and over. I am interested. I'm interested too. And I'm glad
0: for the opportunity to flex my uh, Lord of the Rings nerd muscles. And I'm sure that uh, other people on the internet are too.
1: I'm glad to appreciate your guys' work, even if my expression doesn't show it.
0: It's intelligent, you know, like the way they're doing it. Because they know if they release some vaguely cryptic thing on the internet, idiots like me will jump on it and overanalyze it and, you know, spit out stuff and about theories. Like, that's 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 the new marketing way.
1: It's free real estate, Dan. It really is. But See? yes.
0: why would you pay me on doing this for free? Alright, any other thoughts, Cheryl? On I any mean, of this?
1: I'm excited for Game of Thrones to come back. <laughs> I'm ready. Me too. I'm so glad that we were able to discuss family relations on Game of Thrones and make sure that everybody's clear on who's related to whom. And
0: we'll, we'll do it some more.
1: Um oh yes, we will. All right. Um so. until next week, then everybody, it's been a pleasure, and I will see you next week.
0: And we're gonna bring on Josh Hill for a song of ben and Josh after these coming attractions. <laughs> Oh, Ned Stark, will you ever learn? <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I'm Dan Selke, the editor at WinnerIsComing.net, your one-stop shop for all things Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and genre fiction in general. We here at Wick love bringing you news, reviews, and editorial content, and we're gonna keep doing all that stuff. However, for the especially hardcore among you, we're gonna start offering even more. Welcome to the Wick Club. The Wick Club is a Patreon-funded effort to provide fantasy and sci-fi fans with even more Wick content. You can join at several levels. For $1 a month, you can enter into monthly swag giveaways and get to read extra columns. At $4, you'll get to watch extra episodes of Take the Black Lie, our weekly chat show, with topics chosen by you. Please be gentle. And at the Valyrian Steel level, that's $10 a month. You get WIC Club t-shirts and access to a new segment we're calling Drinking and Knowing Things, a monthly live stream where I drink wine and talk with all of you in a free-flowing conversation about Game of Thrones, fantasy, sci-fi, and whatever else comes up after I've had a few. Just to be clear, we're not going to stop doing anything on WIC we already do, and we're hoping to add more stuff anyway. The WIC Club is a way to produce even more content, and hopefully to get to know some of you better. You can find links to more information below. We hope to see you in the Wick Clubhouse. Valer mergulis bottoms up, and thanks for watching. Hey everybody. I'm pretty sure we're back. Uh, <laughs> I am Dan Selke, and I'm here now joined by fan-sided editor and uh, overmunch right. Josh Hill. Hello. Overmunch, indeed. <laughs> and we're here to discuss... Uh, a Clash of Kings, the second book in George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series. Yeah. On this, series, what we do, Josh. If just to catch you up, is you and I read through each and every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh. I've read all the books multiple times. So you would never read the books. Wait, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Oops, I, I didn't mean, prepare for this then. <laughs> 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 I read a different book. I read Gone <laughs> with the Wind. I thought we were reading Lord of the Rings. You are just talking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's ah, true. Damn it. We kind of are. Um, and we go through every chapter, break them down, so make, some more, make, make, some, uh, make some special. Yep. And we're on Clash of Kings. We're still pretty early on in it. We just read the first John chapter from a Clash of Kings. Josh, what were your (laughs) hot takes on this, or your initial reactions? (laughs) Uh,
2: Benjen, we got a Benjen mention. So we did. Do like him. Um, uh, These John chapters are very interesting because there's not not a whole lot ever goes on, and it's also kind of like Uh, a a string of these last chapters that we've read. Not a lot. Oh, the Bran chapter. Not a lot. That's what I'm. Arya chapter. yeah, the streak continued where it was like, okay, we got some information, but not a lot, and there was barely any action.
0: Which I mean, and let's qualify, we are reading one chapter a week at a time yeah. in a book that like that's not how you read books. <laughs> so no. it's But it's very I mean, episodic, just yeah. like Game of Thrones. I think if we were reading like a normal person and just like reading well, it the book been those like three chapters sit down for an hour yeah. and then you just read a few chapters in a row, oh, yeah. it goes a little faster. But yeah, we've definitely been in setup land for mm-hmm. a while now. And that continues here, absolutely. Like this is one of the, nothing really happens in this chapter. John and Sam are talking to the library. John's talking to Lord Commander Mormont. And we get some interesting um a lot a lot of foreshadowing, but uh we're basically just caught up with what's happening.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: what's happening is Lord Commander Mormont's gonna take a lot of knights watchmen, like three hundred strong, take him beyond the wall, find out what happened to Benjamin Stark. Yep. Find him, dead or alive. Bring him home, dead or alive, and just uh, go on a big old fact-finding mission. John's coming, Sam's coming. Sam. How does Sam feel about
2: that? <laughs> he feels like Sam. <laughs> he feels <laughs> a little. This is uh, not as strong man Sam is. But <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't define him as the strongest soul. Uh, but he's there with John, so it's like this. It's the, I like the tandem, the friendship that they have. Yeah, it is Whereas cute, the, right? It is because Sam's very much not looking forward to doing anything that no, exerts any sort of effort. He does effort not want to go danger. north of wall. But John's there, and that's kind of like a safety net for him. So it is like this cool little buddy cop element to their whole relationship.
0: I was charmed by how much of a giant nerd Sam was in this chapter. So he, we see him in the library like late at night. He's looking for maps, um, and foreshadowing. You think so? Well, in the show,
2: because doesn't he find out about the Valerian steel or whatever in uh library? Yeah, he does. The he library. Fa- oh, he finds out the
0: Dragonstone map? Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. I mean, he's always in a book or something. He's going to do it. And uh, he's he's he, he's waxing poetic to John about these manifests he found for like Night's Watchmen a thousand years ago. But like, look at all the pickled herring they ate. And John's <laughs> like, who cares about how much pickled cod they ate 600 years ago? And Sam says, I would. You can learn so much from ledgers like that. Truly you can. It can tell you how many men were in the Night's Watch then, how they lived, what they ate. And John says, they ate food, and they lived as we lived. So I, I like that contrast, that Sam is this incredible, huge nerd. Well, he, he is big, but incredibly huge <laughs> yes. nerd who is actually interested in 600-year-old like uh, inventories yeah. of like how much pickled cod they had in the thing. No, I like and that. And John's like, can we go? It makes him endearing. It does. Make it,
2: Sam dear. is this character who doesn't fit in with any of the other characters, these traits that these other characters have, because you've got all of these warrior characters, you have all mm-hmm. of these alphas, and then you've got Sam, who's just Sam. He's not even a beta. He's, he's not an gamma. alpha. He's he's just Sam, and he's talking about cod that's six hundred years old and all. And he's that. interested in it, and he's genuinely interested. He, there's a there's a relatable, endearing quality to Sam where it's like because I was reading that, and I was like, oh. I, N- not specifically about six hundred year old no, fish, not but like I could be like,
0: oh, I could see myself. You're into like the minutiae of Star Wars. Yeah,
2: like reading about it, and yeah, because I was going to compare these chapters to the Last Jedi, where not a lot happens in a single movie, and we're Ooh. just going through these chapters, but there's a lot of setup in between things. Of course but yeah, right. the minutiae of Star Wars. But like that would be something that I like would, would nerd out about. The same
0: that Sam would nerd out about pickled herring, which is exactly not and I not mean, the same I thing. About but Song of Us and Fire, because here we are. Um, yeah, so I relate to that. I, th- I think Sam is a, is a kind of a self insert character for George R. 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 Martin. He is. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, it's totally true. Oh, He's, you know, top. the bookish. Oh, yeah. Kind of bigger <laughs> nerd. <laughs> yeah. Bearded. <laughs> beard. No, Sam can't grow a beard. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not enough testosterone. Suspender is probably another thing. So that's that's adorable, and yeah. of course he's doing that in part because he is utterly terrified to go on this ranging north of the wall. He has to go because someone has to watch over the ravens, mm-hmm. and he's good with animals, and he can write, so he can write messages. And he's like, you can write, why don't you do it? John's like, I'm gonna be busy, sorry, got a squire, you gotta come. Which is great because like, I would
2: definitely go into the Night's Watch being like, you know what I'll do? I'll do the one thing that'll never require violence, I'll write, and then <laughs> here he's thrust into this thing. Yeah, it's gotta it's go. like, on. I'm good with animals and I can write words. I will never have to wield a sword, and it's like, nope. Here you go, and he's terrified. Which you know,
0: I'll get which over. I would also be. Of course, who wouldn't be. We're all Sam. Can we just say it? I also like this little bit. So th- this is just kind of the start of it. We also get some does. Th- 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 there's a lot of describing the walls because, again, we yeah. remember this is the first time we're seeing John in a new book. Mm-hmm. We saw him three years ago, so he's yeah. not going to like dive right in. He's going to take descriptions, but I, li- I like the descriptions. <clears throat> The color of the wall was wont to change with every shift of the light. Now it was the deep blue of frozen rivers, now the dirty white of old snow, and when a cloud passed before the sun it darkened to it the pale gray of pitted stone. Wow. What an evocative wall. Very evocative. I like it. I like that visual. Yeah, it's immediate.
2: I can see it. It took me there. Mm-hmm. I can I see I mean, the wall. I've seen it in the show, so it kind of like spoils it <laughs> a little bit for me. My imagination has been soiled, but sure, but still well, well described, it's a well-described well well-described wall. That's how I described it the first time I saw the show I went down to a friend and I was I described it exactly like that <laughs> So when I read it in the chapter, I was like my god is it possible for somebody to plagiarize something
0: that I said 15 years after they wrote it. I think you should sue him and find out and uh, beyond that we get some other uh, At this point everybody interprets this comment differently yeah. in the air mm-hmm. everybody like I remember Aria saw it as a uh, ice that sword the top of his head mm-hmm. uh, the first guy thought it was an omen of dragons and now we get people are calling it Mormont's torch, sent by the gods to light the old man's way through the haunted forest, mm-hmm. so to guide the Night's Watch ranging beyond the wall. Yeah. So again, we kind of hit that a bunch of times. That theme of, oh yeah, perspective. Everybody says it's been different. Yada yada yada. There is no truth but your own. That kind of yeah. thing. So that's happening. Um, we also get just uh, just again, a lot of foreshadowing, both plot and thematic. I liked this bit where Donald Nye, the armorer at Castle Black talks about the Baratheon brothers, who will dominate a lot of this book. A lot of this is Stannis and Renly fighting, is The Clash of Kings. Robert was the true steel, says Donald Nye. Stannis is pure iron, black and hard and strong, yes, but brittle, the way iron gets. Stannis will break before he bends. And Renly, that one, he's copper, bright and shiny, pretty to look at, but not worth all that much at the end of the day. Which I think is, again, these characters are gonna be huge in this book. And that is a great. That is like the Stannis description. Mm-hmm. He's iron. He's hard, but he's brittle. He'll break before he bends. You now Stannis is unwielding. We know that Stannis will do whatever it takes, up to burning his daughter, to do what he thinks needs to be done, even if it's incredibly ill-advised. And then all his army de- deserts him, and he charges and gets killed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's very that's very. Um, What's the word? Perspective there, yeah. and a very accurate prospect of what we're going to get. And Renly again, of this kind of like a uh, kind of frivolous dude who is trying to be king, partly because it's fun, and not really because he really wants, burns with the desire to do it, or yeah. has a sense of duty about it. And again, I think it's nice that we get that set up here, even though this story will not interact with the Baratheon stuff at all. But we do have a character here who knows them hmm. and can tell Jon a little bit about what these guys are. Which is more for our benefit because yeah. John's not gonna he he I guess he will meet sense eventually but he's not gonna meet these guys for books and books yet mm-hmm. but we're gonna meet him a lot in these pages. <laughs> uh, exposition, I love it. I mean, a little but again, setup. It 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 doesn't really read as exposition. No, a, it doesn't. Because it's well written. Well, it's world building too because
2: it's like he's yeah. this character that knows of these other characters that we're gonna be talking about or meeting and going inside of their heads.
0: And they do so. that too because he fought. Uh, I forget which side, but he fought you know, in the Robert's Rebellion. So he would have Mm -hmm. met all these guys back then before he came on the thing. So smart there, Martin, you rascal. And uh, also I liked when John is talking to Lord Commander Mormont, there is a dude named Thorin Smallwood in here who had been one of Alistair Thorne's inchmen. And he doesn't approve of the range. He thinks it's stupid. We shouldn't do this. It's a waste of resources. And as you know, we both know, there's eventually a mutiny beyond the wall. Lord Commander Mormont dies. I think... He Martin's laying the seats for that here. Yeah, That there's at least one Night's Watchman who thinks it's a bad idea to go beyond the wall <laughs> and it's going to end in mutiny. So he ends up, this sentiment will spread among the rest of the team. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. It's, it's, it's all it's foreshadowing. Great. Oh, we also have, and then it also foreshadowed some themes. Ah, theme foreshadowings. Exactly. Donald Nye is just a wonderful source of uh, great lines. Talks about Robert Baratheon. Really What's that? He really was. He was. Robert was never the same after he put on that crown. Some men are like swords, made for fighting, hang them up, and they go to rust. So a theme that we have a lot in this series is how power changes you. Yep. The idea that Robert was, you know, a good leader, a strong warrior, and then he puts in a crown, and he just it becomes king, mm-hmm. and he's just different. He's not the same person he was. He goes to hell. He goes to rust. He starts to be lazy, not really take his job seriously, and again, we we have to ask ourselves that. We have to ask, how does Jon change when he becomes Lord Commander of the Night's Watch? How does Daenerys change when she goes from Drogo's concubine to leader in her own right? How Mm -hmm. does Cersei change when she goes to mother of the king to burner of everybody, queen in her own right? A lot of the book, to me, is about what power does to you and how it changes a person. Yeah. Well said. All right.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, because it was like the analogy or the riddle that we had, and was it this book or the other book? It, the, it, yeah, it was this book. With this was, book. That's right. Because it, I was thinking of that. It was
0: last week. With, two weeks the, second, weeks,
2: with the sword. With this. What does the sword mean? And it's all a metaphor for power, and it's mm-hmm. all a metaphor for what wielding that power means. Yeah. Not necessarily for who wields the power, but what, what you're wielding the power for. So the people.
0: What can they do against you? Exactly. All right. And, uh, okay, finally, I'm going to ask you this. So, toward the end of it, like, for two pages, Lord Commander Marmont goes on a long, very detailed discussion of Maester Aemon's past, mm-hmm. and how he almost became king, Yeah, how he, you know, like, all his relations, you know, he tells this whole story about, he, you know, Maester Aemon's a, Tar- a, a Targaryen dude, mm-hmm. from way back in the day. And, uh... He was like fifth, sixth, fourth in line to get the crown, but his brothers died in battle. His sister was an idiot and couldn't inherit the throne because she was simple. Mm. Um, And he just, he spends a lot of time talking about this. Why do you think he did that? And was it boring to you? It wasn't
2: boring. I mean, it was, it wasn't particularly interesting either. I wasn't, it was not a page turning conversation, (laughs) but uh, no, I mean, it was an interesting factor that like the idea that he could have been king. Yeah. And then he just wasn't king, like I would, he has that humble humility in him. I know, and like we're in this middle of we're in the middle of this, you know, dead heat for everybody trying to get to the throne. You've got everybody who's a rightful heir to the throne. Yeah. And you've got Joffrey, who's not even a rightful heir to the throne. He's the product of <laughs> incest, think and somehow he's managed to you know, trump his, his way into the throne. And we have a guy here who could have had what everybody wants, and was like. I'm good. I'm going to go way up north and exile myself. It's just like, I don't, I, it was very, it was a fascinating juxtaposition between what we've been dealing with Mm -hmm. with the characters. And then here's this person who could go completely against the grain. And it's like, why? And he's not, and it's like almost spoken poorly of, or it's like,
0: you could have been king. Why wouldn't you want to be king? How dare you not be king? And he's just like, whatever. Actually, I have not really thought of that. I think you're exactly right. That's a good point. But yeah, I mean, we're talking about how power changes you when you get it. Yeah. What about, what does it say of somebody who could have it, but says, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? It's just, a, maybe the the way to keep power from changing you, maybe this is the lesson, is to not assume it and just stay humble wow. and serve. There you go.
2: My life has changed and everybody else who's listened to this is now a different person.
0: I was going to complain because I, I do think George R. R. Martin has these kind of occasional passages where he... He, he loves his own invented history so much that he just kind of like he does. goes on about it in a way that's not terribly fascinating. Reading doesn't really serve a super duper point.
2: But like a broken clock is right twice a day. So like maybe he falls ass backwards
0: into these. <laughs> this,
2: maybe I'm misinterpreting. Maybe I'm waxing poetic well, about no, because how I mean, he's got this thing. It it like makes he, a
0: lot of sense. It makes perfect
2: sense. It does, but maybe he accidentally did that. Maybe he is just fetishizing his own <laughs> you know, imagined history. And here we are so many years later. Like, how many other liter- pieces of literature have we, hundreds and thousands of years later, been like, it means this. And when the person wrote it, was probably, Shakespeare was probably like, this is just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fart joke. And everybody's this like, oh, laugh. this is so brilliant. <laughs> this soliloquy is like, it's about a toot. Well, personally, like, what are you talking about? about? Toot.
0: <laughs> I think we can benefit that out because I, thought, I, I liked interpretation. I think it's yeah. a good thing. And there is technically a point because he's, Commander uh, mm-hmm. Commander is saying this to, to John. Yeah, important. And he's comparing it to um what happened with Rob. He's yep. saying that Maester Raymond's brother became a king and he was able to step aside to become a night's watchman. Yeah. Where he's not gonna get any glory. He's not gonna marry anybody, he's not gonna have kids, he's not gonna live in a castle. not gonna wear a crown, not gonna do anything fancy. He's gonna be in a cold icebox the rest of his life mm-hmm. with a thick chain, like uh, advising people who are underfed, underpaid, just it's gonna be a hard life. So you, John, your brother's a king now. Rob is a king. Can you do that? Can you be the person who just devotes himself to this kind of, you know, difficult life as a Night's Watchman while your brother goes and gets glory in women and wins battles and does all this cool stuff.
2: Yeah. It's very existential, perfectly existential for
0: Game of Thrones. It is. Well, and could, could you do it, Josh? Could I do it? Could you serve knowing that your, uh best friend and brother is off living his glory and living his truth. No, no. Oh no? My. I'm way too selfish <laughs> for that. I couldn't
2: do that. No, I probably could. Well, John could.
0: Oh, John could. wait, you were back on it now? Okay, Maybe, fine. I don't know. Well, John could, because John says- John could, yeah. He, but, uh, he, 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 just, he asked John, what will you do if you're tempted by that? Mm-hmm. Like, how will you handle that if it troubles you? And he says, I will be troubled and keep my vows. There you go, He's that's why f- John's the best really is. He's made a vow to the Night's Watch. He's going to keep it. I don't care how cool Rob is right now and how awesome it would be to be like him. Well, I wouldn't want to be Rob knowing what happens to him. So That's true, but no one here <laughs> knows what's going to happen to him. Right now, Rob's riding pretty high. That's true. Um, which, by the way, that's more thematic for foreshadowing or even plot foreshadowing because the idea of John's vows. He's made a vow to the Night's Watch, right? Mm-hmm. He will, I don't know what they are. He'll take no lands and have no kids and don't marry anybody, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, Ygritte's going to test all of that. Oh, yes, He's she is. He's going to be tempted to, maybe I should just hook up with this woman and become a wildling because it's a l- lot more fun than having no sex for my entire life and being devoted to an old order run by people I don't really like. Solid so, reasoning. So that's going to be his trial. Like, how devoted to these vows really is he?
2: Not and, very devoted. <laughs> what do you mean That's very devoted? Well, the time, I mean, he is now, but
0: he is then yes that's he, true he he doesn't turn for your gret i mean we, we know that now well yeah she also dies <laughs> i mean yeah. he kind of had his
2: hand forced it's like all right well, well, i mean what are you he, gonna he, do he, he doesn't kill her well no he doesn't kill her but she dies it's kind of the options taken away from him
0: wait but that's i mean he he could have Anyway, i mean he could have that's like me that's like he, me being he, like he, he could have gone over to the ones and told him what he knew he didn't he goes undercover and he falls for her, but he still lies to the wildlings. And he still breaks away when he can and goes back to Castle Black and warns them the wildlings are coming. Well, if he yeah. really turned, he would have stayed with her. Or he's playing both sides, and that's actually pretty dishonest.
2: He had He's to having his cake size. and he's eating it too. I disagree. He needs to pick a side. Either you're on the regret side, or, side. You're on, or you're on the Night's Watch.
0: No, he's, no, no don't he's, mingle. He is the Night's Watch side. He's and then he's selfish because he's
2: like, Gret's going to come over to the he, Night's Watch because I am Jon Snow. He never so, thought uh, that. Oh,
0: yeah. What, what chapter do we get it. to
2: in that in this book here? Is A that, lot.
0: Is that in this book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in this book. I mean, the thing where he was. I think you're completely wrong. You are misremembering it. That's what <laughs> I think. No, because he, he, he has to go undercover because it's either that or be killed. And Isn't he, that goes the up, true he goes honor? undercover long enough to learn their stuff, and then he goes back to Castle Black and tells the Night's Watch that they're coming. Here's how they're coming. Here's how we defend them. He never left the Night's Watch in his heart. But the Wildings just want love. They just want to be loved. Yeah, they just need a hot shower and a good meal. <laughs> that I agree with. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and we'll discuss all that when too. We get to the chat. Should now? should they live through the wildlings? Wildling human relations. We'll wow. get into what all. What a tease
2: it. for that Jeff. So if you're not already reading along, you better start now because that interesting <laughs> conversation is somewhere in your future. We should fight more. I
0: think it's, it we makes should. for good. It, it's um, good
2: com- It's good, uh, good. Good
0: fake TV. It's very good. Anyway, next week is gonna be Catelyn One, another of these okay. series of okay. introductions. Into Look it. forward to probably I'm gonna guess more recap and more foreshadowing until we get to like <laughs> Catelyn four It'll or happen. something. All right. Anyway, thanks for watching everybody. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, four PM Central Standard Time. Here on the Windscreen Facebook page, for more Game of Thrones news, more slang wise fire discussion, more genre fiction extrapolation, and more. A song of Dan and Josh. Thanks for watching.